The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I always say it, I always mean it, and we think it's really, really true. I have an interesting quote here. This is the part of the show called The Buzz. Let's see what the word on the street is. I have a great quote from Clay Christensen. You may have heard of him. Full name, Clayton Magleby Christensen, born 1952. I call him a young one, American scholar, educator, author, business consultant, and religious leader, ooh, who serves as the Kim B. Clark Professor of Business admin at Harvard Business School at Harvard University. His theory of disruptive innovation was first introduced in his book, The Innovator's Dilemma. Look him up. Let's see what the quote is that I found. Here we go. Disruption is a process, not an event, and innovations can only be disruptive relative to something else. Hmm, sounds mathematical and very interesting. So what are we talking about today? Rapid change has forced today's visionary business leaders, parenthetically, are you one? Does your company have a visionary leader? Well, you need one. What does this mean? It's caused the business leaders to replace the conventional growth model step by step, year by year, with a disruptive solutions mindset. And I can hear you saying, say what, Bonnie? Disruptive solutions sounds revolutionary, not evolutionary. Well, this creative thinking methodology enables leaders like you, our listeners all over the world, to anticipate and quickly react to industry disruptions. Come on, you know that's what you want. You want to know what's coming down the pike, and if they're a surprise, you want to be there and handle it the right way right away. You can also identify unplanned opportunities. That sounds like a moneymaker. And move past internally directed core competency thinking, you know, yada, yada, to leverage open innovation in new ways. It sounds phenomenal. But does your organization have this mindset yet? Well, After the next 52 or so minutes, 54 minutes, I think you're going to be on your way. I have a wonderful panel, and let me tell you who they are before I introduce them. First up, in just a moment, we'll be speaking with Brian W. Matamore, co-founder, and here's his title. This is cool. Chief Idea Guy of the Growth Engine Company. Brian is no stranger to Game Changers. He was on, I think, a couple times last year. I met him at the National Publicity Summit in New York a couple years ago, and I thought his ideas were great for Game Changers Radio. And he is bringing two colleagues with him. We are going to be meeting Erica Dewan, founder and CEO of Cotential, like Potential but with a C, and she will tell us what her company does. And rounding out the panel is Denise Fletcher, Chief Innovation Officer. That's a new take on CIO of a company called Ezasi, E-Z. 
A-S-S-I, Inc. We'll be finding out what her company does. So let's go around the table to Mr. Mattimore, and he has sent me a wonderful quote from Peter F. Drucker. If you ever wonder what the F is, it's Ferdinand, 1909 to 2005, Austrian-born American management consultant. And Drucker invented the concept known as, come on, you all live with this, management by objectives, and he's been described as the founder of modern management. So here is the quote. If you want something new, you have to stop doing something old. Brian Mattimore, such a pleasure to have you back. How have you been? I've been great, Bonnie, and it's it's always fun to, to be with you and um, share ideas and create something together. We I think we all wind up learn, learning something when we do these shows, which is great. Thank you. You're very, very kind, and it's a pleasure. I was so intrigued when I met you at, the, at I'll call it the book fair a couple of years ago, Brian, because it was not for Game Changers Radio. It was for my personal show, and I think I said to you right away, this is great for the business series. So very happy to have you back. So tell me about this Drucker quote. It sounds to be like the old mantra, Brian, for, for uh, women and men. They say, before you go shopping and spend money in retail, look in your closet, shop in your closet, but get rid of something old before you buy something new. Is that the same idea? I think it is. I, you know, I think the big thing here is it's really hard, especially if you're successful in your business, it's really hard to stop doing things that are you know, essentially successful. And that's really what, uh, why I think this quote, quote is so profound. It's not only you know, explore the new, but it's stop doing some of the old stuff. And why is it important to do that? Well, you only have a certain amount of resources and time and employee energy and all the rest. And so you really have to prioritize. And that's the, the role, obviously, of the leader of the organization. And more and more, that prioritization, to me, has to be about possibilities of the future. It's not business as usual is important. We have to be more efficient with that. That's where all the money comes from. But my feeling about the role of the leader of the organization is more and more and more they have to be future-oriented and future-focused. And that's why we've uh, really spent so much time with our clients on these uh, disruptive approaches to business, if you will. Disruptive, you could just say it's change, but it's the willingness to uh, accept change and to, and to leverage the possibilities with change that's so important in this work we do. Thank you, Brian. I have a couple of thoughts I want to run by you. First is, when we say disruptive, uh, you know children are reprimanded for don't disrupt the concert, Billy, and don't interrupt your father, Bob, and and uh, don't be disrespectful to your mother. She knows how to run this household, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so my question is, interrupt and disrupt, are they synonymous in this mindset we're talking about today, Brian? It's a profound question, I think, actually. Thank um, you. I think... <laughs> I think to I think it's important to interrupt patterns within the organization uh, to to in order to have a positive disruption. In other words, we need to uh, get people out of the habitual thinking modes, and that's certainly a lot of what we do in our innovation and uh, creativity work. It's interrupting patterns to change things. So that's step one, if you will. That's creating the the environment or the or planting the seeds or tilling the field. So that true change and, and, and disruption, in a sense, uh, can happen. Now, disruption is typically seen as, as a bad thing. And, and in our right. previous shows, we've, we've talked about, quote, disruptive wargaming and how to, how to uh, deal with uh, disruptions from the outside. But today, we're, we're happy and excited because it's really about disruptive solutions, how you, how you can leverage solutions or, or a disruptive mindset 
to um, identify, create, and leverage possibilities. So that's exciting, I think. I think it's very exciting. Thank you for saying my question was re- profound. I don't think anybody's <laughs> ever said that to me. I, this is a very good start, sir. Thank you very much, Brian. And now, on that note, let me introduce our second very special guest, Erica Dewan. And anybody's looking for Erica, it's D-H-A-W-A-N, founder and CEO of Cotential. And Erica sent us a quote from Catherine Hepburn. This is such a cool quote. If you're too young, oh my, to know who Catherine Hepburn was, Catherine Houghton or Houghton, H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N, Hepburn, 1907 to 2003, an American actress. I often forget, Erica, she was American because she had such a wonderful British-style way of speaking. She yes. was known for her, right? Fierce independence and spirited personality. She brought that to the screen. She was a leading lady in Hollywood for more than 60 years. She starred in movies ranging from screwball comedy to literary drama and got four Academy Awards for Best Actress. That apparently was a record for any performer. She was named as the greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema by the American Film Institute in 1999. And she worked almost up until the age of 87 and passed away at the age of 96. And she was... Uh, forever known as the partner of Spencer Tracy in movie and movies and in life. So let's read this quote. Fascinating. If you obey all the rules, you miss all the fun. Erica, <laughs> I love that quote. How are you, Erica? Welcome to Game Changers. Thank you. It's great to be here, and I'm ready to have some fun. Part Good. Of well, let's not obey the have- rules. There you go. So let's have fun. We've already talked about not obeying the rules. I asked Brian if disruption equals interruption. So what do you think Catherine Hepburn would say knowing that you're quoting her on a radio show on the Internet about disruptive mindset? Go ahead, Erica. Disruptive mindsets are about unlearning old behaviors in order to step into new behaviors. And one of the most critical parts of unlearning old behaviors is to realize that you can't obey all the rules, all the assumptions, all the norms. One of the greatest examples I continuously see in companies I work with is the fear of failure. Usually there's a rule or procedure that uh, is meant to be risk-averse in order to protect the company. But in order to drive and create that disruptive mindset, you have to break rules. You have to create a culture where people can fail fast and fail forward. And so that's really the the essence of Catherine's quote, not only extends to her amazing career, but I think something that we can all take in order to unlearn old behavior, step into the new, and help transform organizations that are seeking a disruptive solution. Thank you very much. And Erica, let me ask you, you say organizations that are seeking a disruptive solution. Sometimes they're not seeking it, but maybe somebody tells them they need to. Could it be a shareholder, a stockholder, a business partner, a vendor, a a family member of somebody in the company, a a competitor? Could you get a red flag from how a competitor is disrupting an industry or a market and you want to be there and you want to best them? So where does this idea that you need to be disruptive, is it always internal or can it be a warning sign, a warning shot across the bow, if you will, Erica? You know, it usually comes from some type of competitive threat or some Mm -hmm. type of transformation in the industry where people realize they need to catch on. So if you think about the rise of Netflix compared to Blockbuster or Uber and the taxi driver business, it it typically is um, 
a, a an, an upstarter that is changing the way customers desire services and expect services in the future. So much of it actually comes from customers and from other stakeholders, whether it be suppliers, manufacturers, competitors, startups, and beyond. Thank you very much. Great point, Erica. Pleasure to have you on. And in a few minutes, when we come around to you for What's in Your Cup today, we'll find out what Cotential does. So thank you. And now let's finish our panel introductions with Denise Fletcher at Izasi. And Denise has sent us an equally wonderful quote from Mark Weiser. I was fascinated to read about him, Denise, when I did my homework. Mark Weiser of Xerox Park, and the, he was the father of ubiquitous computing, a term he coined in 1988. Uh, he died at a very young age, 46 years old. He was a chief scientist at Xerox Park in the United States. His ideas were, interestingly enough, interested by his father's reading of a book called uh, The Tacit Dimension by Michael Pogliani. Mark Weiser became head of the Computer Science Lab in 1988 and chief technology officer in 1996 and authoring more than 80 technical publications. He was also, I don't know if you know this, Denise, but he was a drummer for the band called Severe Tire Damage. Talk about <laughs> disruption. Oh, oh, my. Stop the car. Anyway, here is the wonderful quote Denise has selected from Mark Weiser. Ignore the lawnmower outside, please. The most profound technologies are those that disappear. They weave themselves into everyday life until they are indistinguishable from it. What a great quote. Denise Fletcher, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Delighted. Talk to me. How did you find this quote? Well, I worked at Xerox since 2003 as the Chief Innovation Officer in the Healthcare Pharma and Life Science business, and that was about $3 billion of Xerox's portfolio. Many people don't know that. And retired at the end of 2016 um, Ah. and used to do a lot of work at Park. And Mark uh, influenced much of the technology we see today. I mean, if you go there and you've had a chance to go through the museum, he actually architected the Ethernet. Um, back in the late 80s, um, and actually architected what we know as the iPad. Really? I didn't know that. It's amazing. Steve Jobs actually toured that center um, and pulled a lot of great ideas out of it, and those became products that we're using today. My goodness. Now, tell me, first of all, do they know how he passed away before the age of 50? He, yes, um, similar to Steve, he had cancer and um, oh. we lost him far too early. Oh dear, oh dear, I'm sorry, I didn't expect that. I should have should have researched that a little better so I knew. Uh, Denise, tell me, what are we talking about here? Our topic today is disruptive mindset and here he's saying the most profound technologies are those that disappear, they become indistinguishable from everyday life and I think we know that, that the the iPhone, the iPad, a lot of the iTechnology, certainly it's, it's, part, it's the fabric of our life today. Uh, so what would he say about this topic we're discussing today with you and, and Erica and Brian about disruption? I think he'd be really excited to see a lot of these um, thoughts that he had on paper coming to fruition, um, especially as we enter the autonomous age. I think we're going to see more and more disappear as um, we see augmenting with robots and other kinds of AI. Today, we're actually using Siri and Cortana and Facebook and Google, and we don't even think about it. Uh, We're talking to machines, and machines are doing work for us, ordering things on Amazon. They're arriving at our doorstep the next day. 
So we really are in a disruptive age right now where technologies are moving very quickly and overnight we see companies just popping up um, and innovating at blinding speed. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I think Mark Weiser would have enjoyed this topic. He might have even wanted to be here with us. What do you think, Mm -hmm. Denise? I do. I do. He would have been a great uh, addition to the panel. There you go. I should have started the show a couple of years earlier. What can I tell you? Yes. And now let's turn back around the table to Brian Matamore. And Brian, you know what I'm going to ask you. A couple of questions. Number one, where are you calling from? In general, not the Google map coordinates of the roof of your house or the door of your office. We don't want to get that personal. Number two, tell me a fascinating drink that really makes you happy, even if it's not in front of you right now. And the third thing is, give me a 60-second overview of the Growth Engine Company. Brian, go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm in Norwalk, Connecticut at my office, the Growth Engine Innovation Agency. Um, In terms of uh, what I'm drinking here, I'm actually drinking one of uh, something we we helped uh, one of our clients create. It's Bigelow is down the road in Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, we helped them create a wine called Bigelow Benefits, and this particular variety. I'm, this is called the Balance version. They have different uh, benefit lines or benefit uh, SKUs, if you will, products. The one I'm drinking right now is cinnamon and blackberry herbal tea, but not. Uh, t- I've I've iced it down, so um, I, I create iced tea. I've been trying to watch my sugar. And so this is a way to add some, some taste to iced tea. There are not a lot of, the unsweetened iced tea out there is okay, but there aren't a lot of varieties, and so I've had to, to create my own here. So that's what I'm drinking. And then finally, uh, Growth Engine, uh, we're an 18-year-old uh, innovation agency. Uh, we help companies come up with new stuff, uh, new products for sure, but also uh, new marketing strategies. Um, we're, uh, we also do, uh, interestingly enough, creativity training. Um, in innovation training, our clients have asked mm-hmm. us to, to share our methodologies with them, and that's, that's been a lot of fun. We practice action learning when we do that. We get people working on real-world challenges, so the training is not boring. It's fun for us as well, and uh, they come up with new stuff while they're learning the techniques. And then finally, um, you had mentioned before, I'm, I think, I don't know, I'm the author of uh, three books on ideation and innovation process. Uh, Idea Stormers is the group ideation uh, book, and then finally, uh, the new book is 21 Days to a Big Idea. That's for aspiring entrepreneurs who want to create the next big thing. That's the book I have. No, I was remiss. I didn't mention you were an author, but I'm glad you brought that up. And by the way, I'm on the Bigelow Benefits page, BigelowT.com, and I love the mug they're showing here, Brian. It says, balanced, well, happy, rested, calm, refreshed, beautiful, every day. Who could resist the tea that does that for you? I'm going to head right to the store after the show. I want to be rested, calm, and refreshed and happy and well. I think I have a couple of those already. Thank you very much, Brian. Yep. Great to hear your voice again. Erica Dewan, same questions. Where are you calling from in general? What do you love to drink or what's in your cup right now? And tell us what Cotential is all about, please. Absolutely. So I am here in New York City, and my drink today, and it's my usual drink at this time of day, is sparkling water infused with strawberries. I definitely recommend trying it if you are not an avid water drinker. It will improve your hydration. Um, And, uh, you know, a little background on Potential. I'm the founder and CEO of Potential. It's a consulting firm that helps organizations transform 
by improving collaboration across teams, business units, customers, and other stakeholders. One of the main reasons many transformations, especially moving to a disruptive mindset, fail is because they don't have a way to ingrain collaborative behaviors in the organization that are required to drive the change. So we help companies measure and improve those behaviors over time through training, speaking, and consulting. And I'm also the author of a book called Get Big Things Done, The Power of Connectional Intelligence. So if you think of what emotional intelligence was in the 90s, think of connectional intelligence as our modern-day leadership key skill required to compete in today's era. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you very much, Erica. Pleasure to have you on. And now let's turn to Denise Fletcher. Same three questions, a little up close and personal with Ms. Fletcher. Where are you? What do you love to drink? And what does E-Zassi do? And how did you come up with that name? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, actually, I live, I am actually calling in from Simsbury, Connecticut. So Brian and I are not far from each other. We're kind of situated at the foothills of the Berkshire Mountains. And um, uh, I am drinking a concoction here. Uh, it's uh, sparkling lemon Poland Springs mixed with a competitor of what Brian mentioned, Lipton Pure Tea Unsweetened with a spritz of uh, lemon, and it's delicious. <laughs> so oh my. that's my drink of the day, um, and I enjoy that because it doesn't have any sugar in it. So it's a really good drink in the summertime. And uh, East Ozzy, uh, interesting company, uh, actually founded in 2004. Um, they were probably one of the first out there in open innovation platforms, um, but started in the medical device um, business, and uh, the founder actually named it after his sister uh, and put the E in front of it for electronic, and uh, it was named after her. She was struggling from cancer, and uh, he wanted to recognize her, so... It's a cool name. It's <laughs> we a really very, focus, very cool name. Yeah, yeah. We really focus on disruption. Um, we have a technology that has the idea and open innovation uh, management solution with IP protection wrapped, wrapped, around, wrapped around it so that um, folks who really follow patents can do that in a very secure and customizable way. But I think the, the cool part is our cyber scouting at the front end, which really allows companies in this collaborative economy to uncover disruptive innovation and solutions. Um, so uh, that's uh, a little bit about our company, and um, we're, uh, we're really interested in this topic seriously, and uh, it's a very important area for us. Thank you very much, Denise. Nice to hear from all three of you. Uh, Brian knows this, but Erica and Denise are about to find out they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. I know why. I think you do, too. So all I'm drinking, and it's not boring. It's cool, clear water from a Brita filter in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw saying, yay, it's sunny here. Erica, I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island on the North Shore based in Great Neck. So there you go. So you and I are sharing the same sunshine, I believe, and I'm sure our friends up in, in the north in Connecticut are certainly enjoying the same weather system, I hope.
So we are talking today, this is for our audience, talking about a very important topic, disruptive solutions mindset. If you don't have it and you're not aware of it, We'd love for you to stick around and listen to the words of wisdom from Brian W. Matamore, Erica Dawan, and Denise Fletcher. Your company needs to rethink. You need to take a step back, look inside, stop with the core competencies, see what the industry is doing, see what your disruptors are doing. Are there new players coming down the pike or smashing a hole in what the industry is doing? New market leaders, you need to be there. You need to figure it out. That takes new thinking, interrupting, disrupting. It's a mindset, as my opening quote from Clay Christensen said, disruption is a process, not an event. You don't do it on Tuesday and expect everything to change by Friday. It's an ongoing process, but we're talking today about the mindset. So stick around. You're going to learn a lot from my three esteemed panelists. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. 90 seconds. Count them along with us. It's not a long time, and we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back. We took our little coffee break, and now we're ready to rock and roll here, talking about the disruptive solutions mindset. It's a good thing. It's not, okay, be quiet down there. The the CEO or the CIO is talking. It's, let's talk about disruption as a process, something your organization needs to embrace, because if you don't, your competitors will. They may already be doing it. We're going to kick off the roundtable right now with Brian W. Matamore. I like to use my D. I never travel without my middle initial, Brian. So I'm happy to include yours, another syllable there, W, three syllables actually. Uh, Brian is going to start us off by talking about the following. He says, you can help your team generate disruptive solutions by using creative thinking techniques. And these include 
questioning assumptions. I think that goes back to my question about interrupting. Company takeover exercise, oh my, joint venturing, trend triggering, and technology searching. Brian, why don't you pick three of those because there's a lot of content here. Give us an introduction and then we'll ask Erica and Denise to chime in with their POV on what you pick. So go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I mean, Erica mentioned actually the questioning assumptions one right away. Um, that, that, that's critical when we do our strategic planning work with our clients. Um, and actually, we were with uh, Pitney Bowes not too long ago with the CEO. We were uh, working with them, and he said, yeah, we've got to question those assumptions. That's, that's critical to the strategic planning process. And the reason is because... Uh, the disruptors um, don't have those assumptions. You know, if you're in in the hotel business and you're Marriott, you're, one of your assumptions, one of your most basic assumptions is, you know, we need hotel rooms. If we're in the hotel business, we need hotel rooms to rent. I mean, that's a pretty uh, logical uh, assumption, right? But, 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 of course, Airbnb question that assumption and create a whole business where they don't own any hotel rooms. So, so that's, the, that's the first technique. That's, that's a really good one. Um, another one that you mentioned was the company takeover exercise, and that's really good for established companies. We recently did this with uh, BNY Mellon, and, and they were you know, working to, quote, reinvent banking. Well, how do, how do you get a, a, a very successful uh, bank, and they, their profits are great, how do you get them thinking differently? And this is that disruptive uh, solutions mindset. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's especially critical when times are good because um, that's when you can be blindsided. And so the company takeover exercises or, or, or joint, joint uh, some people freak out about that because they're going to be fired. So we, we sometimes call it the, the, the partnership exercise or the joint venture exercise where um, essentially you imagine that the organization uh, has been uh, joint ventured or taken over uh, by uh, another industry and a company in another industry. So if Amazon took over BNY Mellon, uh, how would that change banking? I mean, you can almost not start to have thoughts, or if Nordstrom took them over, or if McDonald's took them over, or Google took them over, you immediately start getting new thoughts about uh, certainly what your new business model could be. Um, what's another one, Bonnie? Do you, I, I've forgotten. That's two of them. Which, what else do we want to talk about here? We have trend triggering. We have uh, yeah, let's, joint... let's do that. Yeah. Trend triggering yeah. is great. When we do our ideations work, uh, we will, um, you know, search the trend sites. And they're... they're literally dozens of trend sites out there. And, and this information is free, so anybody could do that, right? So Sparks and Honey is a great organization. They, they mm-hmm. actually have daily briefings. I, I think it's now Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You can go online, and they've scanned 18 uh, information services overnight and share those daily briefings with people, and they're free. They're online and free. Uh, trend Hunter is another great uh, organization that has hundreds and hundreds of trends categorized by different um, industries and, and, and breakthroughs. And, you know, Cassandra, Mintel, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there's all this free information that um, innovation directors, presidents, chairmen, marketing directors, whatever, can use to trigger their teams to come up with new ideas. And, and we do that all the time in our ideation work. We use those, uh, we call them trend triggers, um, to, to get people in a, quote, positive a disruptive mindset based on the things that are happening outside in the world. Thank you. Very interesting. Brian, before I bring in uh, Erica and Denise, it sounds like fun. Are you really allowed to have fun when you're doing this? 
<laughs> well, I, I love that you said that because there's that that sort of uh, you know Protestant guilt or or, or, or Catholic. <laughs> oh, guilt, a lot of religions share that, my dear. A lot of religions share, share that guilt. Uh, uh, that, uh, that that you can't have fun while we're doing this, and 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 boy, you know, the, some of the best sessions we've ever done, and we've done over fifteen hundred of them now, ideation sessions. Uh, the best one, it's, it's easy, it's fun, it, almost easier. It, it's fun and it's easy where there's, you're just in this uh, flow state and the ideas are happening and people are building on one another and the political agendas have all gone by the wayside and you have that wonderful self-actualization of the people in the room where they're contributing based on their unique talents and skills and abilities and uh, they're combining that with the unique uh, uh, capabilities, if you will, of the organization. So it's this, this, this process of self-actualization, both for the people in the room and for the organization, uh, that is so exciting. And it's why I've you know, spent my life doing it, because, because it is fun. And it's, obviously it's creative, but it's, they're, they're moments, they're ecstatic moments that happen as a result of this. And so, you know, how much fun is that? It's terrific, right? I think it's a great thing, a great way to live your life and a great way to live your business. Thank you very much, Brian. Uh Erica Dewan, love to get your thoughts on what Brian shared. You don't have to agree with him. I have a feeling you will. But what are your thoughts on these creative thinking methods that disrupt? Well, you know I don't want to miss any fun, Bonnie, given my quote, (laughs) right? Um, You know, I think I, I agree with what Brian shared. You know, another... Another creativity tool that we've used at Cotential with clients has been around, in in order to get to those breakthroughs, you have to create a safe space. And you have to create a safe space for what I call productive conflict. So people need to be able to be comfortable sharing different ideas. um, And those ideas create dissonance and tension. And then you have to make that tension productive around identifying what those disruptive solutions could be. And one of the key tools we've used that's worked well is called the pre-mortem exercise. So instead of a post-mortem, think of it as a pre-mortem where we have um, our our attendees in in a training or in a workshop. Imagine if 18 months from now, their team or their company utterly failed, failed miserably. And then what they have to do is identify what were all the things that we did not do that led us to fail miserably. And what it does is it creates a safe space for people to be intentionally critical, which often isn't the case. People are often in a culture where they feel uncomfortable raising critical issues that they wouldn't normally talk about with their boss. Um, so it, so it, one of the most powerful parts of designing for creativity is to design for productive conflict, but in a safe way for employees to really raise red flags and issues that really matter to them. Thank you very much. Raise red flags, very interesting. And and we've been talking a little bit about fail fast, fail often. I think we all can agree. I think that uh, the boomer generation, that's me, we were not told to work that way. We we didn't. 
we weren't we weren't going to fail. We cowered, some of us in the corner, not as a coward, but coward, the verb, and said, oh, my, it didn't work. Oh, my, what did I do? Oh, my, is my job still secure? We didn't want to fail at all, much less fast and often. So this is a, this whole disruption may be uh, very revolutionary for the workforce, and I've been told many times by colleagues on my Changing the Game with HR series, Erica, that the workforce is now populated by at least five generations working side by side. So we've got yeah. all kinds of cultural mindsets and comfort zone, shall we say, from these. I, I want to get Denise Fletcher in on this. Denise, very interesting conversation. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, I agree with a lot that um, Brian has mentioned, but I also, I got to hear Clayton speak last month, and he's got a new book out, and he really talked about the B2Me world that we're in right now, and um, basically this whole economic movement where people need uh, something from others, they want it delivered to them, and they want it, they want it now, they want that instant gratification, and they'll pay for the last mile. So I think that companies really need to be looking at how they can compete against the non-competition and look at how they can bring in potential customers. And he really believes there's this whole group of non-new entrants out there. So typically companies will build products around groups of people that have money, disposable income. But then there's this whole big group of people, if you look at the worldwide population that's larger, that if you can create goods and products in a marketplace for them, they will come and they will use your products. And he, he talks a lot about IKEA and how they've done that. And, um, you know, I have two kids. They just finished college, and we used to go to Ikea, and they loved going there. And I loved it because in one day we could shop and get everything we needed uh, Mm -hmm. to furnish their apartment. So I think that companies need to focus on the jobs to be done for their customers, and they need to really start thinking about eating their own dog food and also think about what competitors could scare the heck out of them if they came into their market overnight. Um, You know, Amazon's a great example of this. Today they just posted a whole thing about the pharmacy benefit management companies reacting to their share prices going down and Amazon entering that marketplace. Um, It's disruption that they probably didn't think about, but, uh, you know, I could have seen it three years coming. So um, just uh, I think that Brian has some really good ideas there, and uh, I think companies just really need to start thinking about some of these things and how they need to integrate this into their um, strategy. Thank you very much, Denise. Interesting topic you sparked here, Mr. Mattimore. Brian, you want to wrap this up? And I'll, I'm looking at Erica's notes. I'm going to find something new for us to talk about. So go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I think, um, I think both Denise and Erica made great points. The, the, the biggest challenge, I think, in, in adopting this disruptive mindset is that it, it's, it's the complacency thing. Um, people have a certain way of doing things. It's been successful. And so for that, that CEO that's really trying to shake things up, it's particularly hard when they're successful. And so um, we, we then have to use these tricks, if you will, to, to get people thinking differently. I'm thinking, uh, this isn't a disruptive wargaming side, but we did have our companies uh, role play Amazon, Google, and Walmart, even though they were in the insurance business. Because mm-hmm. when they role played those, um, those other businesses, they realized they could be out of business very quickly if they don't make a change. So, 
So these, these tricks are ways to get people to positively adopt, adopt a disruptive mindset so they can really change and meet the needs of the future. Thank you, Brian. Erica, I'm looking at your notes, all kinds of good things here. We've covered a few of them, but let's talk about the myth of the lone genius to innovate. You say the romantic myth of the lone genius fails because it obscures the social connected qualities of innovation and disruptive solutions. And I think what we're talking about now is not just that one person, Erica, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about the groupthink, the the process that involves more than just one genius. So, Erica, could you give us a little bit about that myth? Absolutely. So, you know, in the past, often one of the greatest ways to have power is to know it all yourself, to to have the inf- to own the information. But in today's connected era, what's truly different is the greatest power is to know how to leverage others and leverage other networks, resources, and relationships to get those big things done. And so we often would talk about the lone genius, the Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs as that um, guru around innovation. But actually, it was the journey of who they interacted with, how they sourced information from different resources, peoples, and disciplines that actually helped them create those great breakthroughs. And one of the stories I often like to share about this idea or myth of the lone genius is about a New York-based law firm. A few years ago, the CFO of the law firm noticed something peculiar happening. He noticed that the youngest associates at the firm were billing less hours than ever before. And this was odd because they were giving them more work, not less work. And when they dug into it, they discovered that these associates had created their own Twitter-type network as a peer group to help each other solve cases faster, questions such as where to find a legal citation or who in the company knew how to find a resource. And it became such a rapidly productive community, it was actually dropping the billing hours of the business and executives noticed. So on one end, they were being more efficient and working more productively, but on the other end, they were choosing, these associates get promoted through billing hours. So they're choosing to collaborate in a different way to be more efficient overall. And, And I think... That's just one example of the idea that we are not all alone in this journey around innovation. It's about being intentional, about leveraging not only what you know, but how you can learn from others and leverage what they know to get big things done. Thank you. Fascinating. And, and uh, on the on the end of what I said a few minutes ago about five generations, five cohorts working in the workforce side by side, if you will, whether that's virtual, whether that's in a real office setting, there are so many options to learn from other people. Thank you, Erica. Denise, love to get your thoughts. Uh, two minutes on what Erica said, and then we'll ask Brian as well. Denise Fletcher. I agree with what she's saying. I mean, I think that um, if you look at the greatest power of leveraging, we're in this collaborative economy. Um, the millennials are so good at this, not something that the older generation is as good at, but we're learning. Um, it is a journey, and that's one of the reasons I love the company I'm working in, because we have these collaboration tools, and we recognize that we are now a worldwide industry, and uh, we shouldn't think that we own or we're the genius of one um, that owns that idea and can bring it to commercialization. There's others out there, and you need to scout that. You need to connect with universities and other inventors and scientists in this collaborative economy to leapfrog your work. I, I, I really feel that we're going to be connecting more. Um, 
across our ecosystem, across industries. That's where the future is going, and we're just on the cusp of this. We certainly are. Thank you very much, Brian. Mattimore, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, because we always go to how to operationalize these ideas. And um, as I know uh, Denise and Erica do as well uh, at the end of the day, um, certainly Zazi is one way to do that, is empowerment of the teams. You know, we we found that, um, surprisingly, that that they're, they're, besides the CEO and the leaders who have to set the tone, there is an opportunity in these times, we think, for HR to be one of the, the, the vehicles for um, making these connections with the outside, both resourcing talent and consulting organizations, et cetera. And that's a, a totally new role for them. And frankly, I think, um, and I've spoken to different HR organizations, a lot of them are, are not there yet. But, but there are a few sort of visionary leaders at, at Google and other places where they recognize that they can't do it all internally and they have to reach outside for outside talent and not necessarily to hire. This is talent to help them uh, bring in the new ideas and certainly uh, uh, Denise's service of sc- cyber scouting. So it's this shift from this very me, I thing to the collaboration thing and, and, and looking to the outside then for for, for new ideas and, and not seeing them as a threat, but rather how can we leverage those uh, to grow our own organizations. And that's a, that's a tremendous shift and a tremendous mindset. And often the, the current uh, organizations, with the exception of you know, the Googles, et cetera, they are not structured for that. So one of the challenges in the future will be how do we structure it so that uh, all our folks can be conduits to collaboration on the outside. That's one of the big challenges we're going to be addressing uh, in the years to come. Thank you very much. Erica, I'm going to let you do a quick wrap-up on this, and I want to move to something because in the interest of time, I want to move to one point from Denise's list. Go ahead, Erica. Yeah, one thing that I'll just add to close is we often talk about how important collaboration is today, uh, but we're also over-connected today. So the average employee spends 650 hours per year on email. Um, unproductive meetings make up over $14 billion in salary costs a year. And so we're not only connected today, we're over-connected. And, and so the key skill now in effectively leveraging collaboration is not about having more networks. It's really about the skill of how well do you leverage your relationships and connections. And so as we talk about not only the importance of um, removing the myth of the lone genius. We also have to remember this isn't about just being a networker. Um, it's, it's something in between that's much more about a behavior that fully optimizes the resources that we have access to, whether that's five people or 5,000 employees. Um, and, and that's really why I call it connectional intelligence, because you can also collaborate so much you get nothing done. Um, and, and so so much of innovation in today's world is about collaboration, not just to connect for the sake of it. Thank you very much. Great points. And Denise, I'm looking, we have all about five minutes until we go to our predictions round. So let's kick this off. You say in your notes, Denise Fletcher, as technology converges, how will this affect innovation collaboration? Let me read a little from your notes. So you say companies are challenged 
by exploiting new business growth opportunities. And quite frankly, all ideas sound terrific until you try to implement and turn a profit on them. Why don't you elaborate a little more? I love a little editorializing here, Denise. Uh, yeah, that, that's something we haven't talked about. We talked about fail fast and fail often, learning from peers, learning from inside, outside, leveraging connections, not being afraid to look and say, what? how can we disrupt? How can we exploit disruptions? But what if you get a bunch of ideas that just don't work? How do you move forward, Denise? So it's an interesting conundrum, and I think that um, there's been a lot of talk about this in the 80-20 rule. I know IoT leaders have always looked at projects as an 80-20, 80% fail, 20% succeed. Why can't you make it 20% failure and 80% success? And if you're in an innovation role, you have these idea pipelines, and lots of ideas sound really good until you start to try to move them forward. Um, and Brian does a really good job of turning that 20 into an 80. Um, and I think, you know, the book that um, Clayton Christensen just started to um, speak on his speaking tour about the jobs to be done is focused on that well uh, in the same context. It's really important that you pick the right ideas. And actually, if you start to use collaboration tools, you can figure out if that idea is being done by someone else. Or can you get that idea further along and into the market quicker? Um, so I think there's a lot to be done in that space. We're still not great. And it, you just wonder, why is that? Because we've come up with Lean Six Sigma, Sigma we've cover, come up with all these great tools out there, and yet still, to this day, we're, we're following this 80-20 rule. Very interesting. Brian, love to get your thoughts on this briefly, and then Erica, and then we're going to go too sweet into our crystal ball predictions round. Brian, what do you think about what, uh, I want to say Fergie, that's, that is part of Denise's uh, Twitter handle here, Ms. Fletcher. So what do you think, Brian? Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I, I think one of the ways that, that we do that and have actually improved uh, our success rates dramatically, I mean, it, it's, it just in the world of new products, for instance, where in packaged goods marketing, the failure rates are 80 to 90%, and we've kind of reversed that. The, the way we've done that is, if you want to call it through contextual intelligence, it's, it's really doing a tremendous amount of work with the customer or the consumer. And so we'll generate hundreds of ideas, we'll pick the ones we think are good, but we'll spend a lot of time, we'll go back and forth and back and forth uh, qualitatively with consumers or customers and saying, you know, what do you think of this? How would you, how would you improve it? Um, you know, we, we even create what we call ugly prototypes because we, we don't want them too finished and we want uh, consumers to really tell us what they think. That process of reaching out to the end user and, and, and really finding out, you know, without diluting yourself, what they really want and being very tough about killing, you know, your, your, your babies that you love but they really don't want them, uh, that process, um, uh, in my opinion, is critical to I- improving these success rates. So, so it's not, quote, technology-driven. Technology is part of it, but it's really more sort of customer need-driven, and that's the shift that a lot of these uh, organizations have to adopt. Thank you, Brian. Erica Dewan, I can give you 60 seconds on this one, and then we're going to go back to Brian and start the crystal ball. So, Erica, thoughts, please? Yeah, I think the two big things I'll just add are the 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 power of leveraging what people already know instead of just like the lone genius doing it yourself. And and I think the the most critical thing that you can do is identify where people have shared problems that they want to solve together. 
oftentimes we we ask you know when we have a problem who can solve this problem we don't ask how could I design this problem to engage others to help me solve it with me um, and and so if we really just shift and think about where are those shared needs and how can we leverage and build on what other people know great things can happen and you don't have to be a genius to do it yourself. Thank you very much. I like that. Share and share alike. Play well in the sandbox, we used to say. Kids, okay, and I think that's what we're doing right here now, Brian Mattamore. Brian W. Mattamore, we got five minutes left. Let me divide them equally. I'll give you each 60 seconds. Look into that crystal ball at Growth Engine, Brian, and tell me, I'm kind of fond of 2020. You know who said that for years on TV. I'm kind of fond of that year, but your prediction can go anywhere. What will we be talking about at some point in the future to be named by you, Brian, uh, about what's going to happen with disruptive solutions mindset. Will we still be using that term? Maybe it'll be the Matamore method. I don't know. Talk to me, Brian. <laughs> 60 seconds. Go. Well, I think the big thing is that uh, we've written about something called the facilitating leader, and anybody can be a facilitating leader, but it's it's someone who knows these, uh, quote, disruptive thinking mindsets uh, within an organization, and hopefully it's not just one or two, but it's the whole organization uh, has been trained in these, and, and so that implies that there should be more training around these mindsets, and I really do feel that this connecting with the outside will become so much more important. It, it has to happen. And so, number one, it's making the connections, but most important, even more than that, is how you creatively think about those connections. So thinking about virtual reality is great, but how, how are you creative about how you specifically apply it to your business? And that's why we're going to need these, quote, facilitating leaders, whatever you want to call them, to, uh, to make these, uh, these, these creative connections that can help us invent the future. I like that. I think the future is already here, but we're certainly going to work on inventing it every day until we get there. Oh, we're already there. Erica Dewan, love to get your 60-second prediction. Please, Erica, go. I think with the rise of technology, AI, predictive analytics, we will actually see an inverse uh, negative reaction to technology where people, humans, employees, will crave authentic human connection even more. They'll crave spaces to innovate and think away from digital tools, phones, technology. Um, There will be more isolation in the workplace. So in order to be collaborative and to build trust, um, the way people gather will have to change and will have to meet more in person or at least in some ways together where technology would be less present. So as much as we'll see the rise of more technology and disruption, we'll also see um, a rise of desire for human skills of basic connection, which may be natural for baby boomers, but as millennials and Gen Z have been raised with a cell phone in their hand, um, they will crave a different experience as they grow in their careers. Unplug, unplug. Thank you very much. Denise Fletcher, I saved a whole 60 seconds for you. That's all we've got. Go ahead and predict, please, Denise. So my prediction, I think the autonomous age is going to really change things very quickly. Um, I think our, if we have children, our children may not go to college in the future. Um, and they probably will never drive a car. Um, and mm. they are going to enter the workforce in a different way. They may have five different jobs. They may be working with robots. Um, or they're calling them cobots now out there in the innovation world. 
Um, and it's going to be very different for us in uh, the next 20 years. It's, it's just going to be amazing. But in the meantime, I think companies just need to go outside their comfort zones and start to collaborate and make connections and scout for solutions and involve industries that have nothing to do with their business um, and, and start to connect the dots because these directions are going to shift how we do things. I mean, there could be situations you talked about Marriott in the future where uh, Marriott is really in a car and your hotel room is in a car and your office is in a car as you're traveling to meet with clients. So life is going to be a lot different. I think autonomous is really going to affect all industries uh, in our future. Thank you, Denise. I'm thinking of people who say, I was so poor, I had to live in my car for six months. And we're saying now maybe they could be so connected if you could just figure out where the Wi-Fi hotspot is. You could be creating a whole empire of businesses that are saying, poor me. It's like, look at me, but don't find me. That would be very interesting. Thank you to the three of you. Brian, Matamora, a special thanks to you and a hug for assembling this wonderful panel. Brian, thank you, Bonnie. Always do so well bringing in such interesting people. Erica Dewan at Cotential, Denise Fletcher at Izasi. Just really interesting conversation and concepts. I feel disrupted already. <laughs> I'm Bonnie DeGraham. We have two live shows tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll be back with the future of manufacturing, talking about Industry 4.0, talk about disruption and the workforce. How do you embrace new technology solutions in your company? It may rely on your workforce, bringing it all together. And at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, we'll also be back on the Business Channel with the future of utilities with Game Changers, talking about will utilities survive even if they get with the disruption program and get on board the the technology bandwagon. A lot to process, so don't want to miss those two shows. Okay, here's my call to action. we got to go. Got to give the line back to our engineer, Kevin. So, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like Brian W. Mattimore, just like Erica Dewan, and just like Denise Fletcher. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.